for the next period of time. Strap in as the hosts rip and tear at the unsuspecting guests, and which deliver their dark secrets and methods of the genre. In this bloodbath, no one gets out alive. This is within the Barrens. Hello. Let's take a second to talk about our sponsor for this video, Dubby Energy. This is a drink that has helped me kick 100% all soda. I don't crave soda anymore, and if I try to go drink a, uh, any soda, I get a really bad taste. Like you can taste the syrup and all the sugar that's in there. But Dubby, it's like more water than anything else. So it's super hydrating, it keeps you hydrated, and it also gives you clean and very natural energy. Um, there's no sugar, no fillers, no artificial dyes. It's just powder, you put it in a drink, shake it all up, there's a little ball inside that mixes up uh, the powder with water, and um, you're good to go. Um, it was um, a long time coming, honestly, for me to kick soda, because I was addicted to it, and I would have it almost every single day, multiple times a day. Um, I still drink coffee, and that's something I don't think I'm ever going to kick because I enjoy my coffee, and when I don't want, you know, an energy drink, and I want something you know, a little bit bolder, I would have a coffee, and um, that also gives me a lot of energy, but not as much as this. But coffee, sometimes I can come down and I can crash pretty hard, but if you're looking for a nice clean energy, try out Dubby. Uh, you guys will come on down very nice and smooth, no jitters, no headache, nothing. Um, when I drink this whole thing of Dubby, I have about five to six hours worth of energy and I come down very, very easily. So if you guys are in the market for trying something new, head over to Dubby and use our code BHOPOD for 10% off anything in art. So if you want to go try it, they have free packs. You can get a shaker. If you like it, stick with it. And you can just keep using that code over and over again and every time you do it. 10% off anything on their site. So thank you, Dubby, and thank you for everybody supporting the show. Before the bloodbath begins, slither your way over to the host's socials. For the podcast, slash over to Twitter at the BHO underscore podcast. Instagram, the Barron's Hideout podcast. Then stab over to Dean's Instagram at Dean of the Dead Hot Sauce. Listen to the show on your favorite apps and Patreon. Enjoy the slay and try to stay alive. Dustin. Dean will be with us shortly. <laughs> but today we are joined by Daphne Byware, the director of the upcoming Stephen King documentary, King on Screen. Um, and we're here to essentially be transported into the world of Stephen King. Daphne, how have you been? Sorry, I I'm sorry. It's lagging a little bit on the audio. Oh, that's okay. How have you been? <laughs> Uh, great, thanks. It's uh, it's great to to talk to you and uh, you know, kind of 
pick your brain on um, how all this kind of came together. But before we jump into everything about the documentary, I always like to kind of go back um, to the beginning with anybody who we interview. Um, I read up and I know that you started with acting, but do you want to uh, kind of take us all the way back then, all into the present? Like what kind of sparked everything for for acting and, and directing? Sure. Um, so uh, it's true that I've been growing up on set. Actually, I, I, I had this amazing chance of uh, acting a lot as a child and uh, being able to see how a movie is being made, actually, and all the, the secrets and the behind the scenes. And, uh, I was so passionate that uh, even if I wasn't acting on a day, I wanted to be on the set and to, to see all the different, you know, jobs and talking to the director, asking him a lot of questions because I really wanted to, to understand a little bit more the, the mechanics. And oh, wow. so pretty soon I understood that I really wanted to direct as well. And not just acting, but, but also having the, the chance to direct. And when I was uh, in the beginning of my, uh, in my twenties, uh, I had this great chance to work with um, a great director uh, whose name is uh, Richard Dindo, Richard Dindo. And he was making a lot of documentaries. He was, he's very well known in the documentary field. And he needed me because he wanted an actress to play um, the character of one of the character of this great book, Homo Faber. Okay. He was making like, um, it was really be between fiction, you know, and documentary style uh, in this documentary. So he wanted an actress to, to be the, the, the main character. And so that was my first approach to the documentary world uh, before. For that, I had made um, a few uh, short films, uh, fictional uh, short films. And uh, so when I discovered the documentary world, I was very surprised because it wasn't something that I was used to, you know. Yeah. And I always had this image of um, a documentary being something quite boring, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was completely wrong, 100% wrong. And doing this experience, I really discovered that it was something that I would love to do. And uh, I was um, talking with uh, Sebastian Cruz, who's the producer of King on Screen, um, of a lot of the documentaries and short fiction that I made. And I was talking with him and I told him, you know, I can't find a lot of things about the people who are working in prison because I was very interested in that subject. And he told me, you, well, you know what, we should do a documentary then. And I was, oh, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Actually. <laughs> yeah. So for six weeks, I went to prison every morning, wake up, went to, to jail. Oh, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty amazing, you know, to, to to be able to go in those places because they are completely, um, uh, you, you, they are banned, you know. Sometimes yeah. they are very uh, far from the from the cities, and so it was amazing to go there and to be able to talk with the people who work there every day. So that was the the the, the base of the 
first film, uh, first documentary I made. And then after I uh, made a lot of documentaries about uh, cinema as well. Uh, one about the Festival of Deauville, which is a great um, festival uh, dedicated to American um, cinema in general, which is something that I've always been interested in since I was a child because oh, wow. I discovered a lot of, you know, those great American classics <laughs> when I was oh, yeah. young. Yeah, like uh, there are so many great films, you know, and and after uh, doing that documentary, um, I made one about Olivia de Avilan. Uh, she was an amazing actress and she had such a great um, personality and all the things that she did, you know, to improve the, the, the actor's treatment uh, regarding the studio. It was like amazing. So, so I did this documentary and then worked uh, on King on Screen and other ones uh, at the same time because King on Screen was a huge adventure that lasts three years. So, oh wow, wow, <laughs> uh, that was actually a question um, I was going to ask you. Um, was like, when did it start? Like, when did the to production and you now get the idea? Hey, we're going to do a Stephen King documentary. When did that you know kind of come about? Well, actually, it all started in um, 2019 at the end of the year. Oh, okay. uh, I, I really wanted, you know, there are a few documentaries about Stephen King, but I wanted to have one that would have only the director's point of view. I thought it could be interesting because there are a lot of documentaries with journalists, experts, and I thought, well, it could be great to have the point of view of the, the, the filmmakers because they are making, you know, the, exactly. the, the, the yeah, they are making it real for, for, for everyone, you know. And so I thought it could be great. And I was talking with uh, Sebastian, then my producer, and he told me, well, I, I'll reach, uh, I'll reach to some of the directors to see if there is an interest from them. And he sent like 10 emails and the next day we had 10 yes. So we were, okay, let's do this then. Nice, and nice. so we planned everything, everything was booked and then there was COVID. So we had yeah, to- Yeah, yeah. Everything got shut down, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's really, you know, awesome that, you know, things just really started going and going. And then finally we're here, we saw the film, it's it's great, and I believe it's coming out August 11th in theaters, and it's coming out later in September for um, VOD and on demand. And I think there's a Blu-ray too, which I am 100% getting. Um, <laughs> just the amount of love that that's in this this film is amazing. I'm a huge Stephen King fan. Um, I've read his books. People like look at me so crazy when I say. I've read it like about seven times, like throughout the whole thing, multiple times throughout my life. And then, you know, reading all the other ones, like The Stand, and then getting into the world as I got a little bit older, I've seen these movies. Like, I think the first one I saw was The the Stand um, t- uh, miniseries. And that was absolutely crazy. So being able to, you know, see Mick Garris in here and he has a great podcast as well. And he's talked about, talked to Stephen King and talks about him all the time, but to hear a little bit more in depth um, through your documentary about, you know, Frank Darabont's in it. Like there's so many 
great insights on like, how does it go from a book to the screen? Like, is there somebody who's writing in between or Stephen King doing it? Cause he's done that for some of the other ones. So that that's amazing. Um, and um, I wanted to ask you out of all of Stephen King's movies and adaptations, is there one that you that you have always gone to? Like, have you always been like a Stephen King fan? Well, actually, there's the Green Mile, which is, I think, an amazing movie because it's so human, you know, and emotional. And it gets a lot of, um, I think it's, yeah, it's so moving and it's so intelligent um, in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah. And truly, it's a movie that really um, stick with me for, for, for so many years because I saw it when I was quite young. I think I was eight, something like that. And oh, wow. it's a movie that I really, it really had an impact on me. And even the, 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 the message that it vehicles, you know, I think it's, uh, and the actors who are amazing, let's face it. And uh, yeah, all the way it is told, you know, it's like having this incredible story and being able to, to really go into the characters, to really have this amazing film because it's three hours long, something yeah. like that. And I think it's a great, um, it's the best way to adapt Stephen King because well, there are so many movies that are like an hour and a half, something like that. And it's usually not the best um, uh, format, you know, to adapt him because it's uh, it's very short, you know. And having something like three hours long, I think it's uh, it's perfect. Oh, I agree for sure, especially when you when you have um, like the, the it mini series too. And then this obviously the stand that we're talking about, and there's such big books and Stephen King, he loves to, you know, have not, it's not filler, but you know, just describing everything around and it could take like five pages to describe like one thing. And you're totally right. Like you to do a Stephen King book, right. Even if it's a short story, it has to be like two hours, three hours, or a mini series to kind of explore it and get that. And a lot of these movies that you know you've highlighted with the directors in this documentary, they are all you know very faithful to what what he was writing. And um, I know the biggest thing in here that you know everybody's heard about for years is how much Stephen King does not like Stanley Kubrick's. The Shining and um, being able to, you know, hear a lot more of that backstory in this mm -hmm. documentary uh, was absolutely amazing. Um, so was that um, a, a point that you wanted to reach in here, too, is to kind of highlight um, how Stephen King felt about that and then just kind of introduce that to the, the filmmakers? Yeah, I, absolutely. It was something that I really wanted to discuss. And uh, I... I've got a few people in my team that told me you shouldn't put this uh, in the documentary because you're gonna be you. There will be so much hate against you. Yeah, there'll be you. a big divide. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I was well aware aware when I did it that I was going to be like hated for for doing it. Oh but, no. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, I thought it's so interesting, you know, I'm talking with uh, Daniel Atias, for example, about The Shining. I really think his vision, uh, I really share his vision uh, regarding the, the film, uh, because it's true that in the film, you don't have the feeling that um, Jack Torrance and, and, and Wendy could be a married couple, you know? Yeah. You don't see at any point Wendy saying to him, well, what's going on with you? I I, I want some answers. You, you, you don't feel like it's like they are leaving um, each uh, of them in their own bubble uh, without really uh, talking to, to each other. So it's I think it's really... Um, yeah, it's really strange, and it's like you you can't believe that they are married, you know. And it's something that is very shocking, I think, in the film, and even the the, the treatment that was done about um, Wendy's character, because in yeah. the in the book she's so interesting, and in the film she's like just here, she's being. Yeah, she's doing an act of presence, I mean, but she's not really like a important character in this story. So I think it's something that is quite um, disappointing after reading the book, especially because the book is so much more. So, yeah, it was something that I really wanted to, to talk about. And I thought that um, talking um, with Mick Garris was amazing because, you know, he did the miniseries yeah. that is great uh, by the way and I think he really nailed it because he really understand what Stephen King is about you know what his work is about and I think it's that essence that is lacking in Stanley Kubrick um, The Shining. I, yeah I agree totally um, as someone who has read the book and has watched the miniseries and has seen the movie I always lean towards the miniseries I know that you know The, the Shining yes it's a great horror movie. It's it's great cinematography and very, you know, important moments in it are very iconic. But it's not Stephen King. It was Stanley Kubrick. And you highlight that so well in this with with the way that, you know, everybody's like telling the story and even like your direction of being a director and, you know, pivoting towards certain things was amazing. And then going from from everybody, there was like not one moment I was in here that I was like, well, this is boring. Like you were saying before, you know, sometimes documentaries, you think, oh, they're they're going to be boring. But this year and like half of last year has just been like, I want to say the year and a half of documentaries because there's been so many great documentaries coming out and a Stephen King documentary. I love Stephen King and being able to hear from the filmmakers and, and see all the love that you put into this. Um, out of everybody that you have interviewed, was there one that you didn't think you were going to get? Uh, well, Frank Darabont, I was very grateful that he said yes, because I I was thinking that uh, since he made like those three major adaptations, yeah. I was worried that perhaps he might not do it for some reason. I didn't really know, but I was hoping because I knew that he would add so much to the film, you know, and he's not like so present everywhere. I mean, it's not like there are thousands of interviews of Frank Darabon online, you know? Yeah. So it was quite precious to have him in the film. And I think um, 
it's so great because he was able to make connection with other topics. For example, he was very uh, well capable of talking and said a lot of interesting things about other filmmakers, for example, George Romero, you know? Yeah. And it was something that uh, was really important for me because I wanted to talk about Romero's in the, in the documentary, even though if we of course we couldn't uh, have him in the film but yeah. you know uh, having him um, somehow in it was important and uh, so having the great luck of having Greg Nicotero talking about his collaboration with him as well and John Harrison I thought it was uh, yeah amazing to to be able to have such an amazing cast because our directors uh, are are the directors are amazing in this film and I, they have so many great stories i think yeah and frank darabont definitely you know is a well of information he he's so like versed in everything and how he's so dedicated to making a film emotional making it feel personal um is amazing and having him kind of highlight all that stuff especially like the whole the green mile segment i loved all of that, seeing like the the uh, behind the scenes footage of Stephen King being on set and it being his birthday, like that's crazy. Um, so, um, did you know that he was on set for that, or did Frank kind of tell you like, "Hey, I have this footage. You should put this in the documentary." No, actually, I already know that uh, he was on set uh, during the shooting, but I really wanted uh, Frank to tell this, this story because it's um, connected uh, very much to King's life because shortly after he had his accident. And yeah. so it's such a moving story and, and you can feel the emotion when Frank Darabon is talking about that. You can see how much it had an impact you know on the crew because they just saw king a few weeks before and then he had this horrible accident yeah and he was able to to go to the the premiere with crunches you know uh, still recovering so i i thought it was with this documentary i knew since the beginning that i couldn't talk about all the adaptations because there are so many of them but I really wanted to have some kind of human discussion with the directors and some kind of emotions, you know, in the film. So I focused on that because I thought it could be more interesting than trying to talk a little bit about each film where, of course, I couldn't have. Yeah, done. there's so many. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's so, so many. many. It's and still counting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So I said, well, what's the point? You know, if I'm making a documentary saying, hey, guys, I'm talking about all the adaptations. And then one year later, you have uh, uh, the boogeyman who's being released in theaters. Yeah. So the film is not accurate somehow anymore, you know. So that's why I really wanted to focus more on some of the, the classics, you know. And um, so, yeah, I try to, 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 to have something like in terms of structure to, uh, to really have uh, the different topics, you know, and always having a director responding to the other to, to, to go into the structure. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. And I loved all the films that you, um, that you were highlighting. 
um like there's not one in there that i was like oh i don't feel like this is i'm not satisfied with the the final product like oh you, you didn't highlight this one but um everything that was talked on here i felt like haven't really been talked about in any kind of documentaries before with stephen king like we have the the pennywise documentary that came out um last year then there was the pet cemetery one that came out like a couple years prior but having one that was like all around and felt very intimate and amazing and hearing all these stories like the one that that keeps coming to mind that i didn't know was the ending of the mist how mm. that was frank's idea and because i don't think i ever read Stephen the book i saw the um the movie and like hearing that he came up with that and stephen king's like hmm i should have wrote that in there like that's amazing absolutely amazing yeah yeah absolutely and it was uh i really loved the ending of the mist because i think it's so interesting you know the, the approach that frank had uh, writing it and at the same time i just love how uh, Greg Nicoteros uh, is telling about his reaction after reading the script. <laughs> I thought it was an amazing story, and I wanted to to have it because it's true that the ending is is really shocking, you know. But I think it was the point, and I think yeah. that when you are watching a film, it's it's not about comfort, you know. I think that sometimes it's very good to watch a film and to be like shocked at the end of it you know because in that way the the, the film stays with you like exactly. you will remember it for, not just for uh, a week or two but for years actually because of that ending and all the rest of the film of course because i'm i really love the mist i think it's very clever and it's uh talking about politics and things that are really you know, uh, interesting to dig, and at the same time having the the, the this ending that is really disturbing, and uh, I think it's it was the perfect ending. Yeah, yeah. and it sticks with me a lot now too, especially being a father. You know, being mm -hmm. like, oh man, what if I was in that situation? Would I have done that? Probably, mm -hmm. because like you have yeah. no other choice, and you're like, this is yeah. the the end, and then like you know, realizing after that no help was right there like that is <laughs> just wow and like stephen king not having that in the book and then him seeing that on screen and like reading that too with him being like that's amazing like why didn't i do that because stephen king he's already written so many crazy things in his books and he's still going um he's like unstoppable machine like there's gonna be I feel an AI Stephen King after like he's he's gone. They're still going to be writing books. <laughs> you know, it's it's absolutely amazing. And um, another thing that I wanted to ask is um, since Stephen King isn't technically interviewed in here, were you wanting to interview him for this or you just really wanted to focus on uh, the filmmakers that were adapting his his um, his work? Well, I really wanted to be focused on the directors because I thought that if we were having King in this documentary, it will feel like 
somehow we put two different documentaries together because having King talking about adaptation is a documentary in itself, you know? Yeah. So it's not something that you can, you, you, you can't make a documentary about the filmmakers and then poof, had, a, had Stephen King in the middle and expect it to work correctly, you know, as a, as a unit. So we really wanted to have him in the fictional introduction, but uh, because th there's this fictional introduction at the beginning of the documentary, but unfortunately we weren't able to have him. But it's something that we, it's the way we thought could be great to include him. Um, but at the same time, he's still present. It's something that we, we, we don't see him talking, um, except when he's, uh, connected somehow to, to to the movie adaptations, you know, like when he is coming to the sets uh, on the Green Mile, or when we talk about uh, Mick Garris' version of The Shining, mm -hmm. where Stephen King is on set, um, etc. So, so he's always present, you know, but like not too much. Like we don't want like this documentary uh, uh, being uh, an advertisement for, for King. Uh, and having him in it would have made it a little, a little bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was kind of thinking too. Um, I think having him just in the, the foreground like that, just lingering. Cause I mean, you're talking about Stephen King already and his presence is throughout all of it, whether he's there, you see him on like a behind the scenes flashback thing or whatever it is. Like you, you can feel his presence there and that's just how he is. He's, from people that I've known to have met him or people who live near him in Maine seeing saying like, yeah, he just, he goes to like the grocery store and, and gets like his own stuff. He's so like in his own community. And he's like that with his, the people that adapt his films too. Like they're all family and, and feeling that and, and hearing everybody, you know, rejoice, you know, with him and, and have all this awesome, like insight on like how he is with, um, reading, you know, um, the scripts that were being made for, um, you know, the movies and him approving on them or saying, no, nah, you can just do whatever you want, just as, as long as you're having fun, you know, um, is great. And we're still seeing so many films come out and whether they are remakes of old adaptations or just, you know, going on for books that haven't been touched um, is absolutely amazing um and there's been so many that were that were highlighted in here but out of all the ones that were highlighted was there one that you wanted to do but either a didn't have enough time for it or um, a filmmaker didn't want to do it uh well i really wanted to talk to filmmakers uh, like mary lambert for example to mm. be able to talk with her about uh, pet symmetry i was but actually I, expecting to see her show up and i was like oh no Marilyn. yeah that's <laughs> a shame because i couldn't get her to 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 do it and i was uh i thought that that was a shame and it's something that a lot of people told that it was a shame to not have a female director talking about um, about that in the film, since there are only two female directors who adapted Stephen King, so it's a really really low number. So I think it, but it tells much more about 
the cinema in general than about Stephen King in, himself. Yeah. It's something, it's really a problem that we have in the industry. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I really wanted her and I uh, would have loved to have Rob Reiner for sure. Oh, you yeah. Know? It could have been great, but uh, yeah, those are the, the filmmakers that I wish I had in the in the documentary, John Carpenter as well, because I would have been able to dig a little bit more about their movie as well. Uh, I couldn't talk uh, a lot about it, for example, without having Andres Mukele. And Andres Mukele was working like crazy when I made this documentary, so he couldn't do it. But uh, yeah, so I really tried to 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 find something and to 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 be able to 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 tell all those great stories without those directors, and I think uh, I had the chance of having such a great cast. So I really don't have any regrets yes. about the directors who didn't want to be in it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I will say if you're ever, you know, looking to do a part two, I'm there. I'm there. I want more Stephen King already, even though there's so much in here, but his world is so big and so vast. Like, I don't know, there's so much you can tap or even just doing a, a documentary with just him, you know, dissecting his brain on how he writes these things, you know, and like the, it is kind of tapped in there a little bit with people kind of talking about his writing style and how how he's always focusing like you know on on kids and um just how things can go crazy all the time because of you know a lot of it was for his addiction that he was going through and like how how his wife helped him a lot too through a lot of things so mm -hmm. it's like good seeing like that representation as well and realizing that like yeah his his wife really did you know kind of get him out and and you know highlighting the films like pet cemetery is his definitely the darkest i think book and adaptation um, besides like like it that has ever you know been released i think because that movie still scares the hell out of me mm -hmm. um so seeing that and it is a shame that we weren't able to see mary lambert but um there's always um there's always next time <laughs> absolutely sure. and actually we have so many things because we we have something like 40 hours of interview uh, with all the directors. So that's wow. pretty amazing. And that's why we plan on uh, making a book, you know, having the book with the full Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's such a shame. You, you know, there are so many uh, films that I was able to, to discuss with the directors, but it's, I couldn't put them, you know, in the film because at the end it's just an hour and 45 minutes long so I couldn't put every every uh, film that has been discussed and so I thought it could be great you know to to have those uh, interviews in full length so we can uh, learn a little bit more about uh, each film that we discussed in uh, in private with the directors yeah yeah that's awesome another thing I have to say is congrats on getting this in a theater uh, you don't really hear often that a documentary is getting a theater release it's usually straight to video or on streaming so congrats um what was it like you know trying to get that to happen were, were you approached for that already or did you kind of push to kind of get this into theaters well actually it's thanks to uh, dark star because they they really say that they would go for it because it's something that we really wanted to do you know we thought there is such a, a wide uh, audience 
for, for, for Stephen King. And yeah. we thought that it could be great to have it in theater, but it's only possible because of Dark Star, because they, they made such an incredible job and they worked a lot to make it possible. So we are so grateful for that because it's amazing, you know, having it's first, it's the, the, the first time that one of my film uh, is released like, uh, in the US, you know, theatrically. So it's like um, really amazing. I, I'm so grateful. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely so going to see. I got to look to see what theaters are playing it near me. Even if I have to drive a while, I'm going to go and watch it because um, I want to see this on the big screen. I've never seen a documentary on a big screen. So this is going to be a first for me. And really, congrats to you and, and the Dark Star and your whole team. And everybody that was a part of this, um, I, I know it was a crazy journey. And you said it was three years in the making, going through the pandemic, um, which, you know, halted a lot of things. Um, so when the pandemic hit, were you still um, going to try to get through the filming or did you really have to stop and then wait for it to, um, to be OK to start interacting with uh, the filmmakers? Well, we had something quite unusual because we were supposed to leave uh, for the US. Well, I'm based in Europe, you know, and I was supposed to go to the US in April uh, 2020. And it's at that time that uh, your um, um, that Donald Trump say, well, we are closing all the borders. So mm -hmm. we were like, so disappointed because we, we thought, okay, that... That could be. <laughs> that could have been so great. We we had all the the the, the meetings uh, scheduled and everything, and we were like, okay, well, let's find other solutions. So we started by making interviews remotely. So okay. we sent teams to different locations, mostly in um, in uh, England and uh, Canada, Australia, because we knew uh, since the beginning that it would have been very difficult to know, to go to so many different places we we've done the documentary with uh, not a lot of money and uh, so we had to be cautious about that so we thought okay well let's start the first interviews like that and so uh in november 2020 we got something like eight interviews and we thought okay maybe we should make a, a trailer so we were like, okay, let's do this. We shot a few, a few fictional uh, shots in uh, Belgium, actually, because uh, it's um, the country from where um, I am, and uh, it, it has some kind of, you know, the same ambience as Maine, for yeah. example. You can see the, the same feeling. You can have the same feeling uh, in Belgium. And so we we made that and we did the trailer. And after making the trailer, uh, we find a solution uh, to come here and to be able to do all the, the other interviews uh, while being in the US. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was, uh, it was a very long run and it was uh, uh, difficult because everything happen with this film I mean we we had COVID and yeah inflation that was difficult on the budget yeah. 
So, so it was really hard. And at some point we were like, okay, let's hope we will go to the end. Let's hope <laughs> it will be finished one day because it was a, yeah, a difficult journey. But um, yeah, we are thrilled on having it in the future. It's going to be great because I think it's a film that you can enjoy the most in a theater um, on a screen. Yeah, I think so. And I, I really want to see the the opening and, and closing shots mm-hmm. like the fictional is like on a big screen because it's beautiful. Um, I was when I started watching, I was like, I know this is a documentary, but mm-hmm. this looks so good. Is this how the movie is going to be throughout the whole thing? I was like, <laughs> I wanted it to be a movie. I was like, yes, this person's going through the whole town, seeing like all these like um, nods to Stephen King books and and seeing like Running Man on the TV was really, really cool, too. And oh, it was it's beautiful. I, I want more of that. So <laughs> you need to do more of that because it came out so great. Oh, uh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, we, we put a lot of on work uh, on that, but it's something that we could have done, you know, uh, having it a little bit um, at different point in the film. We thought about doing something like that, but uh, regarding the budget, it wouldn't have been possible. Yeah. So we chose to 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 put a little bit of the segments at the beginning of the film and the ending that is uh, quite in the Stephen King universe, you know, uh, with the humor and things like that at the end to to close the documentary. But yeah, it's uh, we thought it could be great to do it because it's um, pretty original you know it's not something that we see all the time and i well we were talking and we thought it's the best way you know for the audience to go into stephen king universe like going into it yeah yeah Yeah, it really it it made me want to live there for how crazy (laughs) things were probably going to turn out but i wanted to live in that universe and let all these crazy things happen um great like this all around this documentary film it's so wonderful to see how great documentaries are i feel nowadays um they've definitely i want to evolve say evolved over the last like 10 or 15 years we're doing more of a storyline instead of just throwing information at you um i feel like making a documentary i want to say is probably way harder than doing an actual film because of all these storylines and all these people you have to connect all the dots to and make Mm -hmm. sure that whatever you have written as like the director and a writer, you you're following along with it, making sure you're hitting all these beats and points. Um, I would imagine was pretty difficult. And to hear that there's going to be a book with it too, like I really, I'm I want I want it all. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we thought it could be great uh, having the book uh, on the side and uh, there will be a lot of things in it because uh, uh, we will talk about the fictional introduction as well in the book. So with a lot of behind the scene because it was quite crazy, you know, doing this and we shot in Maine in February. So that was quite a challenge. Yeah. And uh, and even like we 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 had this crazy luck because uh, for example in this fictional introduction we had the chance to find uh, uh, the dog you know I really wanted like a Saint Bernard uh, you know that kind of yeah huge dog and I was talking to the producer and he told me yeah finding finding that kind of dog uh, in Maine 
with a little girl, it's going to be so difficult. And we, <laughs> we were blessed because it was um, the, the little girl's dog. So Oh, wow. It worked out perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Like it was magic, you know. And sometimes it's something that you have when you are making those kind of projects because you, you have so many problems to solve. And, and, and sometimes you have like so much luck that it feels somehow magical you know you're like oh gosh i couldn't wow that's crazy you know yeah so stephen king was definitely um giving you a little bit of his magic for sure (laughs) saying we're gonna make this great (laughs) (laughs) oh man so so you said you're from belgium and i wanted to ask um before um you know you heard of stephen king how did you get a hold of his material? Was it from the books at first or were the, the adaptations being shown over there somehow? I'm always very intrigued to hear how things from the U.S. kind of go to other territories in the world. Well, it's really fascinating because uh, when we live in Belgium or France, because it's um, it's a subject that we often talk um, about with the, the producer, uh, Sebastian Cruz, we are often talking about that. But it's something quite amazing because, you know, in our country, the, the U.S. Uh, culture is really present. You know, it's something that is really there. and it's. Um, I mean, all the films that are in the theaters, I mean, there are so many U.S. films. Uh, every TV shows, I mean, we we had so many TV sh- uh, American TV shows shown uh, on our TV, actually, oh, wow. when we were uh, when we were um, going to watch something on TV and, and put on the TV, it was always like an American show. Oh, so wow. the, the American culture had a great impact in Europe, something that is very present. And with Stephen King, actually, I d- discovered him uh, when I was 10 because I was, um, I've always been a huge reader. Uh, I really wanted to read everything. Um, and I was very attracted to the horror uh, genre. So I asked my father one day, okay, I want to read something scary. What would you recommend? <laughs> and we were in this little bookstore, you know, and he told me, well, here's two books. I think you will like them. And one of them was Ro- Rosemary Baby. Oh, okay. That's a crazy one. one. Yeah, absolutely. And the other one was The Shining. So both really crazy books. <laughs> absolutely. Like the the the, the the cream of the top, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. And, and it was like I read uh, The Shining in two days, something like that. Um and I was completely into it. I was uh, I, I couldn't put the book down. I was like reading it and uh, at the end I was completely hooked I thought okay I want to read more about this author because yeah for sure it was horror and it was there were all those great scenes but I was so you know into the character's mind and I really loved the the, the feeling of going into um, Jack Terrence's mind and yeah, see how going crazy, crazy. Yeah, and 
until the point he breaks actually so it was something that i thought was very interesting and it was something that i really loved and then after i read uh hits uh, which traumatized me like a lot of <laughs> like a lot of king fans actually and i was completely afraid of clowns i think um i i think it yeah it was even scarier than the shining for me it's it's really it's uh, very very crazy and just how you go through all of this you know a lot of it through the minds of a child like a lot of the stories is always like you know surrounded by kids because they're the most vulnerable and then you know going through all these things and breaking through it for someone who's read it a lot yes it's a very crazy book it took me a long time to get through it the first time because of how scared i was um now i i love it so much um both you know the the mini series and and the films more towards the, the miniseries, but you know, the book is, is always right there. I have it right over there and I have the miniseries on vinyl with all the songs on it over there too. And it's, it's, it's great. It's great. There's so many great Stephen King books out there. You, you can't go wrong with really any of them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, talking about it, I think Tim Curry did uh, an impressive, impressive job. Uh, actually, yeah. uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I think he he's the most uh, scary uh, uh, actor uh, on screen with that that particular uh, role. It's uh, it's crazy, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Oh, well, Daphne, this has been great. Our time is getting close. Um, is there anything else other than the documentary that's coming out? Is there any other projects that you may have lined up that you can talk about now, or anything you want? um our listeners to go check out before this well sure uh that's the last documentary that i directed which is called hitchcock's pronazi film that will be shown in the the venice international film festival uh, awesome. in september so that's uh, a documentary about the the movie lifeboat and how it was controversial at the time and even described as Nazi uh, by some journalists. So it's really interesting because you can go into the old story, the, the, the history of the, 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 this country as well about America, you know, and um, the, this huge conflict again between the author John Steinbeck and the filmmaker Alfred Hitchcock. So it's a, it's a documentary that I just finished and um, yeah, it will be shown pretty soon now wow that's awesome i'm i'm so happy that you're starting to really gain more ground in, in documentaries and as a filmmaker i can't wait to see more from you um so just to let everybody know that uh king on screen will be in theaters august 11th and it'll be on blu-ray and on demand september 8th and there's gonna be a book coming and i cannot wait <laughs> I can't, cannot cannot wait at all um, <laughs> So Daphne, thank you so much for taking your time out of today. Um, and congrats on creating this amazing documentary with so many great stories and making me want more. I, I want more. So I hope more sting, uh, Stephen King things from you in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. It was thank nice you. to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right, everybody. We'll catch everybody on the next one.